faster than a speeding bullet. What the hell are you? God, look up there. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. I mean, uh, why are you here? There must be a reason for you to be here. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. <laughs> I am Kalel, son of Jorel, born on the planet Krypton, raised here on Earth by Jonathan and Martha Kent. I am the Knight. I am Batman! You're just a man with no superpowers. You're right. I'm just a mortal with only his wits. Hello, and welcome to a roundtable special edition of Third Degree Burn. Uh, on this show, we're going to take a look at the upcoming movie, Superman v. Batman, The Dawn of Justice, if that is the correct title. No, it's it's Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, isn't it? Is it Batman v. Superman? I, I think people just say who they're rooting for as the first okay. one. It's this so guy. Subconsciously, you've already <laughs> tipped your hand. It's this guy versus that guy, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a, uh, a learned panel of, of uh, experienced and non-experienced podcasters with us today. Scholarly uh, we, destitutes. <laughs> we have Brian Hughes. Hello, hello. We have Frank Canapa. Hello. We have Michael Carlisle. Asta. And we have Kathy Martinez. Hello. And this is Kathy's first podcast, so everybody give her a round of applause. Greetings. <laughs> Can you hear us applauding in a circle? That's yes. exactly what I was in doing. In the circles. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> well, uh, as listeners of, uh, as the thousands of listeners that we already have, already know that uh, Brian and I do a show, Third Degree Burn, where we cover the uh, comics, the writing, the worlds, the characters, everything that has to do with John Byrne. But we're going to do this, we're doing this special show because of the film that's coming out. And we're going to talk about what we. We'll, what we hope we see, what we hope we won't see, and what we would like to see of the upcoming film. So I think we can just get right into it. Uh, I will like to say that, and I'm going to let you do this, uh, Mike. Mike has a blog he would like to plug, and I don't want to butcher the name, so I'm going to let you do it, Mike. Um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, the author of uh, the, uh, the Crap Box of Son of Cthulhu. Uh, it's founded... Uh, over on Blogger, uh, there's I think I think Brian and you usually put a link in the show notes to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I I really appreciate that. Uh, you guys are fantastic. Oh, well, thank you, thank, thank you. you very much, thank you. thank you much. Well, it's I mean you've got a great blog, you've got a great concept there because you're uh, it's like uh, we've got a uh, a podcast that does a show is it Doctor um, Doctor Allen Professor Allen mm -hmm. Professor Allen that does the Quarter Bin podcast where he. Won't you? Know, he'll he'll do a review of comic books, but the the one rule he has is he can't have paid more than a quarter for it. Oof! And you're doing something very similar with your blog, where you've you've bought bags of uh, comic books at half price books and other places, and uh, typically you're getting the crap box. Is that is that the, the correct description the, there? The the correct description is yeah, they're they're discount bin books that uh, 
uh, some of which are are known, and but some of which are very unknown. Uh, I love finding bad books. I love finding books that have been neglected by history. And there's a lot of hidden gems in there. And there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't see the light of day, but did. I Where does Captain Codpiece fall in all that? Um, uh, <laughs> very, very much in the realm of I'm glad it got made, but boy, was that an odd book. Doom Patrol 70 was uh, was uh, Codpiece's uh, origin story, and uh, wow, it what a book. came from DC? It came from DC. It was a Vertigo title, and I'm oh really God. amazed it made it wow. through. But yes, awesome, awesome title there. Is it up there with Apollo Smiles? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely way out there. Oh, my. All right, well, let's uh, we'll let ladies go first. Kathy, uh, why don't you tell us? What you hope to see in this uh, upcoming epic film? Okay, I've been fairly skeptical skeptical about this. Okay, that word about this film since I first saw the trailer. I am a Superman fan. I am a bigger Batman fan, so the casting has been kind of up in the air with me, um, especially after the Daredevil movie, and I'm. Not sure about the take of it. I like the concept. I like the idea that they're kind of putting behind the reason that Batman is going after Superman, but I'm kind of not sure how it's going to play out. And I feel like, you know, I feel like it could be a really bad ending because, like, you know, you start off strong. Okay, we have a great premise for why they would go to war, but then it's like, well, what do we do with it? And, you know, I'm kind of wondering about why we're putting Wonder Woman in this movie. Cause she feels like just kind of like an add on, like, Hey, let's throw one more superhero in here. And I wonder if like, you know, they're kind of wasting the opportunity of really giving her a good push by just having her thrown into this cast of, obviously it's about set Superman and Batman, not really, Oh, Hey, there's Wonder Woman in the background, you know? So I'm, I'm really hoping they're able to give her a good like hero point, but it, able to play off like this huge dynamic that they've presented everyone with. Cause you know, it's kind of like the ultimate character against character, because I mean, those are the two top characters for DC Superman and Batman. It doesn't get any bigger. Everyone's huge fans. Everyone's on one side or the other. And it's like, you know, how are they really going to pay it off for the fans, especially the diehard classic Superman, Batman fans. So I'm hoping it comes together. Well, all right, who wants to go next? Uh, let's Frank. Why don't you give us give us your well, thoughts? Um, one of the things that I I hope not to see um, is um, uh, Batfleck being holding <laughs> McNeil from uh, chasing Amy. Um, <clears throat> what I, I what I'm hoping to see, and this is why I think they're doing this, is uh, uh, they're paying homage to the Frank Miller. Um, Dark Knight. Dark Knight yeah, Returns, Dark Knight, yeah. The the conflict between Superman and Batman. Now, granted, of course, they've had to. I don't know that they've had to, or maybe they might. They might have had to because of contractual reasons or, or what have you. With Frank Miller himself, but uh, they they clearly changed the story. But they want to. I think they want to keep the root of that conflict, um, and they're going to try to play out the root of that conflict with different motivators. Um, so I'd like to see them try to stay as 
it was possible to that conflict that that uh, Frank Miller brought forth. Um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was uh, it was epic. I thought the the the, the comic was epic. I thought the storyline was epic. I thought the motivations were epic. That it was truly um, Greek mythology played out on. Now that's that is really interesting, Frank, because you know uh, Snyder directed the Three Hundred, right? And the Three Hundred was an adaptation of the Frank Miller book, exactly. And that was, for my part, a perfect adaptation of that book, and you know just the form and substance of it. That he had Miller's voice down when he was putting that movie together. And so to see him take themes like this that came from Miller work as well and try and put it on screen, I hope he only puts the better part of the themes. But, well, uh, I, I, just, I want him to stay true to the core of that conflict uh, because that conflict between the two had strong motivations. And uh, I think that they're playing with the motivations in this movie coming up, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Um, I just want them to stay true to the – um, depth of that conflict. Uh, they had, uh, they still, even at the end of Frank Miller's books, there was, they, there was still a grudging respect between the two, no matter how bad their conflict was. But right. it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of uh, comic book, uh, we're going to introduce, introduce a new character. He's going to fight with some good guys. They're going to realize he's not a bad guy. And then, uh, sigh up with him almost instantaneously and run off and go and take on the bad guy. That's a trope that is done so many times. Well, that's that's uh, the Marvel yeah. formula. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm, I'm hoping that that is not what occurs here. Well, you know, in, in talking about the Marvel formula, when you look at this movie, this movie is the Marvel formula. It's, it's even – it's Civil War because you've got Captain America, which is Superman, going up against Iron Man, which is Batman. Yep. And everybody else is supposed to pick a side. Now, I don't think it's going to turn out that way. I think it's, uh, you know, part of how the trailers are represented. That they're going to start their battle, but something bigger is going to come along. They'll have to join forces. Wonder Woman will join them. And, you know, who knows who else is going to pop up in there. I agree. And, and Wonder Woman is being introduced much like a uh, much like a Black Widow character. Uh, in my, it, The way it seems to me is that she's being introduced that way because uh, for some reason – in the Marvel world, it makes a little sense because Black Widow is not a really well-known character. That makes sense. I'm on board with the way they handle that. Um, Wonder Woman is not an unknown character. She is well-known. Um, if, if you are equipped uh, with the female uh, equipment, there, it's, I think it's ingrained in, uh, in the culture that brings up uh, girls and women these days uh, – the Wonder Woman, because I still see, when I was when I had a uh, stepdaughter, I saw Wonder Woman everything, underwear, clothes, socks, everything that was available. She was uh, she was on board uh, at a very young age, and so <clears throat> I don't see that that's a character that is that is uh, unknown, as unknown as Black Widow. So I'm not sure that that's as important of an introduction into the DC universe uh, as, uh, as, uh, as it is for Black Widow, or important to the character, I should say, and the, and the, and the, fan, base, the fan base knows who she is. 
there's there and the and there's been an uprising uh, amongst uh, fans to have uh, more female characters uh, that are superheroes. Yeah, Marvel's almost been over backwards to do that lately. Yes, yes. And so I'm on board. I'm happy to see it. I would love to see a spinoff of, of Wonder Woman herself. Already um, started just, filming. I just hope that. Uh, really? I, I, yeah. I'm just mm. hoping that it is not. I mean, I love Linda Carter, but I would prefer it to be less Linda Carter Wonder Woman ish and more um, hardcore Woman ish. So, so less of the camp that they had in the Linda Carter series. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I and and. Some of that camp was okay, especially to a burgeoning, you know, pubescent boy. Um, <laughs> uh, I I loved me some Wonder Woman and uh, in the camp, and, and it, uh, it was it was outstanding. Yeah, I, mean, I was used to the Batman camp, so I was okay with it. Well, so the question is, are they going to have the 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 tropes of Wonder Woman? Like we've seen the the sword and the shield, but is she going to have that lasso? The magic lasso that forces men to tell the truth. And, and the reason why I ask this is because what a lot of people don't know or, or understand is the creator of Wonder Woman, William Moulton Marston, is also the creator of the lie detector. Oh. And so that lasso was, was steeped in the mythos of Wonder Woman for a reason, you know. Uh, so it would be interesting to see if, if they're going to carry that forward into, into this because I haven't seen or heard anything about the lasso. It may not be brought up in this film. It may be something that shows up in her solo film. Mm-hmm. And as well as the Invisible Jet. Oh, God. I think, it de- <laughs> I, think, I think it depends if they feel the audience will accept it. Is that too corny for them to have something like that? Well, I think if they do a, 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 a jet coming from Themyscira, it'll be with stealth technology rather than making it right. just invisible. It because- won't, right. The idea of a woman inside of an invisible jet trying to touch invisible controls always b- bugged me. <laughs> yeah, that was always a little unbelievable there. <laughs> okay, um, I guess I need to uh, talk about what I don't want to see in this movie. <laughs> no, it's what you want to see. What I want to see. What you want to oh, see. What I want to see is... Um, or what you hope to see. Yeah, uh, I, I'd like it to be one, one of those where it becomes more of the grudging respect... Maybe a little bit lighter than we expected it to see. Um, I want to see uh, if, since they're using Lex Luthor and they're using uh, Aaron Eisenberg, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I'm sorry for the the role of uh, Luthor. I want the the kind of foppish character that he's been showing on the commercials just to be a mask, and the real demented genius to come out, you know, in there uh, as the story goes along. I. Uh, I want to see the grudging respect show up a lot quicker than, you know, this big, big, long burn of a buildup to a climactic battle at the end that actually turns out to be the prep for the other battle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, beyond that, I, I want to see uh, the uh, I want to see, a you know, the, an actual turn of the populace, a realistic turn, though, uh, to an acceptance of him rather than people just hating him. But more than anything, I want to see Ben Affleck actually succeed at doing <laughs> for his career with Batman what Robert Downey Jr. did for his career with Iron Man. Mm, that's a hard act to follow. He's getting a lot of good press. Uh, Warners loves him and loves what he's done. 
he had his script writers from Argo come in and work on the, this script, and they're working on his script for his solo Batman film. That's and, Chris, Chris Terrio. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, he's got a really, really good group of people working with him, and he's, you know, not a bad writer himself. Hmm. Um, the only thing that really, really hurts Ben Affleck at this point in time, and they've already adjusted for it from all the trailers and everything I've seen, is they've lowered his voice a good half octave. Because ah. Ben Affleck's got a pretty high, high kind of voice for a guy. Yeah, and, get a little whiny. Yeah, and when he gets excited, he sounds more like a, some girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, like I said, they've uh, they've really lowered that, and of course, his Batman voice is uh, all modulated, and so we don't have any of the Christian Bale Ugh. "fear me" kind of stuff. And Ugh, it was so bad. So I, I think that they're going to try and do a lot of things that that our fan service. But they're also going to try to bring it in, in a modern way that, I don't know, it'll probably appeal to a lot of people. I'm already against both these movies. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of against this one and I'm against Civil War for the, the simple fact of I don't like the movies to be about the heroes fighting. Yeah. I just, I just don't. So I, I get a bad feeling just thinking about that. It's, there's a doom and gloom feeling that hits me. But, again, I always walk into theater with an open mind. I, I just say when I sit down in the seat, dazzle me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was one of those people that I had a, I had a little bit of a hard time with Man of Steel uh, because of the end. And it took my son to snap me out of that. And the more I watched it, the more I actually enjoyed the movie. And I, I, I don't have a, a dislike for it that some some others, you know, do have for it. Um, but boy, it sure did shake me at first. I had to watch it a couple times to really enjoy it. Okay. You're talking about the killing of Zod? Exactly. Oh, good. Good spoiler there. <laughs> yeah, uh, excuse me. Spoiler for anyone who hadn't seen the movie three years ago. Yeah. I, but I, I, thought, really I thought it was perfect. I thought it, it was this. That was the the milestone marker that said, okay, we have gone from uh, uh, Eagle Scout uh, uh, of Steel to Man of Steel at that point. Mm. But, you know, John Byrne had done that back in 88. Uh, he had, you know, Superman kill Zod. And uh, I don't remember if her name was Zaora. It was Zaora, wasn't it? I think. And, and uh, um, maybe Jack Sir. Was it Jack Sir? One, one of the other one of the, the other, other fantasy villains in the pocket universe. You know, he had him kill. And, and I had a hard time with that even back then. Uh, and, you know, I'm a diehard John Byrne fan to, you know, to the work that he does. And I've I've always had trouble with you know having Superman kill the 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 coolness of Superman is that he was always able to find a way to not kill. Right, but you have to have a motivation for why he doesn't, and this is a perfect motivation for why he doesn't. This well, yeah, explains and, yeah. to the audience, to anybody who's reading the story, why he doesn't want to do that. It's not a hobby for him, so. You know he's 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 got a he's got a motivation to stay away from that activity. Yeah, but, and there is a history even in in the original Superman comics or action comics of Superman doing things that might have killed the people, but you never saw them again to find out if it happened or not. Mm -hmm. um, in the George Reeves Superman, he left stranded people on the top of a mountain, never brought them back down. You don't know what happened there. Even in uh, Superman Two, you know he throws Zod and. And Ursula or Ursa and, and Nan off into those things. And so many people still today say that he killed them. 
there is there is kind of one of those uh, a storyline that was written, uh, and, and I'm going to forget the author, so I'm just going to skip over it. Which uh, they made into one of the the animated films, uh, Superman versus the Elite, which oh yeah, that's what de- that deals <clears throat> very much with the idea of Superman as a as a killer or as a person who would kill, and it uh, Forbes actually has an article out that talks about Superman as the brand. And whether or not the Superman brand is a killer brand, is a brand that should kill, and how DC is is actually kind of has done the brand a little bit of injustice by allowing Superman to become something that uh, would go to that extreme. Superman typically as a character, on the whole, is uh, a character that does not kill, that finds another way to uh, disable or disarm his enemies and uh, still save the day. It's one of those morality kind of questions that, uh, that crops up instead of a, is it, is it warranted? Well, it's, it's probably warranted in a lot of different ways, but uh, is it actually something he should be doing? And, and that I think, I'm, I'm on Brian's side. It, it, it's not something I want to see the character do. No, I, I, I think, <laughs> well, I think so many in the last... Oh, I would say the last 20 years, maybe 25, our, uh, writers have just, they are struggling with how to write Superman. So they are coming up with all these different ways of either making him dark or making him do this or making him do that. So they so they can find some kind of hook for their story because they don't seem to know how to write him the way he should be. Just a guy who does the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And I think that has been a, a big problem because the Batman's easy. You can go dark, you can go gritty, you can go, <clears throat> excuse me, in many different areas. And he's he is, I don't want to say he's a more complex character, but I think he's his complexities are more on the, maybe they run deeper, or maybe they're more on the surface so that you can do more stories with Batman than you can with Superman. Well, that depends on the version of Batman that you use. Well, I'm, I'm talking primarily the one that has, that everybody's now familiar with, which is from due to Frank Miller. Everything is based on that. This dark, gritty, brooding, troubled Batman. I'm the goddamn Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's from all-star Batman. And that's not the, not the, the Frank Miller Batman that we're all accustomed to. But, um, and if you've read that book and, and you know, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> cause that was definitely not, not one of the best was more of a caricature of what, Batman is. And it's kind of, I think, Frank Miller thumbing his nose at all the writers in the past that have been aping his work over the past 30 years since Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One. It's a horrible parody of a comic book in which the Batman takes five issues to fly to the Batcave, in which time he's stolen Dick Grayson and actual milk cartons are printed in that time frame with Dick Grayson's picture on it so (laughs) that people can see them. It is is horrendously badly written it's it it's should be lovingly in, in in kind of embossed and placed in the crap box it's so bad is Tim, that what is, is that the story he didn't finish did miller finish that run uh, I, apparently he's finishing it uh, or f- finished it or finishing it right now but i don't think jim lee is doing the artwork on the last part it was because jim lee quit because of how misogynistic and and sexist and and just over the top that it was which is funny because just last week uh, they had a new episode of Comic Book Men where he was raving about the work that he did with Frank Miller on All-Star <laughs> Batman. 
Tim, what is your thoughts on on, uh, on um, Batman v Superman? Well, have, have you given given us your thoughts there, uh, Mike? Uh, I was I was waiting to go last. Okay, okay, if, you, can go, you, know, you can go. You can go last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to see a bunch of punchy, punchy run, run. <laughs> <laughs> Cop, copyright Thomas DJ. Uh, so lots of faster and more intense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I. I don't know. I, I I've stayed away. I've seen the trailers, but I really haven't read anything on this because I'm as I'm a little little leery about it too. Just from from Man of Steel, I don't think Man of Steel is a bad film. I would say I was disappointed in it. Uh, I thought there were some some mistakes that that Zack uh, Snyder took in the way he portrayed mainly uh, Jonathan Kent, and I I wasn't crazy about the Superman as displaced alien storyline uh you know as the ultimate immigrant hmm. that they seem to be embracing in this new film that he is he's treated more oh he is well he's an alien we don't know anything about him he's got the power to destroy the planet we have to <clears throat> guard ourselves or we're going to worship him because he's so godlike so where he has all these followers i think that's a superman story that can be told but i don't i don't feel that's something that should be in the films that could be or maybe two or three films down the road let's don't start off with that i know that's a new angle and they want to go with that, but let's, I, I want just a good classic Superman and it can be edgier. doesn't have to be uh Superman, the movie from 78. I can see that yeah, film. It, it's a little more naive and that's a little more silver age. Although as much as I love that film, it doesn't have to be miracle man 16 either. No, it doesn't have to be the plutonium it, it, from uh irredeemable. <laughs> uh, so but did you read miracle man 16? I haven't read any Miracle Man. <clears throat> there was a. It was basically after Miracle Man and and the other heroes had saved the world from Kid Miracle Man, who just destroyed London. And uh, they're basically talking to the UN and the world government about you know what's going to happen now. And they're sitting there laying it all out. And one of the leaders sits there and says, "You think we're going to allow you to do this?" And Miracle Man, who's basically got the powers of of, of Captain Marvel or Superman, goes, "Allow." And that one word says everything. And then Superman could simply say something like that, too. We're not going to allow you to do this. He goes, allow? How are you going to stop me? Now, we've always got the, the trope of there being kryptonite. And I'm sure that's going to be one of the things that's going to be used in there. Yesterday, I heard a, a guy at Toys R Us talking about it, saying that Batman's going to use some form of kryptonite that will simply weaken Superman to the point where they fight on an even field in this movie. I hadn't heard anything about Gee, that. Gee, where, where have you know. seen that before? I mean, if they're <laughs> going to do the Dark Knight, let's do the Dark Knight. I mean, come on, don't. Well, th this is from Supergirl, isn't it? Where they weaken Kara down to human level? Yeah, she, So that she uh, can fight her own sister? To, she got exposed to, was it Red Kryptonite or uh, something? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, they, they, they basically did the same thing Richard Pryor did in Superman 3. I mean, she even dropped the peanuts and was knocking him into the mirror <laughs> in the bar. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was, it, it's, I like Supergirl because it's an, an, an homage to everything that we've liked about comics and comic book movies. I think they have a lot of fun with it and they don't take themselves too seriously. That's a great thing about that, about that show. Man of Steel took itself too seriously. There, there was, there was, thing. there was very few happy moments or fun moments in man of steel but already from the trailer i think we've seen a little bit more happy a little bit more fun and i don't mean happy happy joy joy i just mean moments where 
people are able to relax and smile a little bit. In this movie? Yeah, in this movie, yeah. Compared to Man of Steel, seriously, you think so? I, to me, it looks darker. Looks looks even more... Uh, Gritty. Gritty, yeah. yeah. Is, she with, is she with you? I thought she was with you. Well, that's that, that, yeah, that, that that's terrible. That's, that's a terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Lex Luthor with this whole he's not getting into a fight with him. He's yeah, he's a comic relief. And I think I have a feeling that Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor is going to wear thin real quick. I have, I agree with Tim on that. Um, it just throwing out the the couple of thoughts. Y'all guys have covered almost all of this, but. Uh, um, what what I really want to see in this movie, I know I won't get, and and I get to go in with like the lowest expectations of anybody in this group, because what I uh, I want to see is I want to see the beginning of this movie be a ten minute smackdown with you know just like Whedon's first Avengers where they punch each other for a good ten minutes and then they get done, they get a little verbal quipping in, they get some good character building and then we stop and then they're good guys and we can have something where they fight an enemy and uh, I, I know that that. Any kind of punch fest, any kind of what? Do you, what did you call it again, Tim? Punchy, punchy, run, run. Any kind of punchy, punchy, run, run is gonna is just like a disappointing waste of these characters. And I know that's the whole premise of the movie. So I get to go in and either be pleasantly surprised or just really have everything I'm thinking confirmed. Um, the best part of the movie, the part that I'm looking forward to the most, is gonna be Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Typically, the best part of any of the Batmythos movies is the interaction and the humanizing of Bruce and when he's confronted with Alfred and Alfred's homegrown kind of wisdom and his humanization of the character. Um, the, the worst part to me, I think, is really going to be Jesse Eisenberg. He, he truly, Luther, is, it doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be Joker. He doesn't need to be Joker. He, he needs to be smarter than that, and we're not seeing that. And, and you're you're dead on with that, Tim. That he's a fob. That was Brian, actually. No, oh, was that Brian? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. But exactly. I'll, I'll take that though. <laughs> 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 well, I, I understand they don't, maybe they don't want to do him as uh, evil corporate uh, CEO the way that he's been for the last twenty five years or so. But they don't they don't have to do him as crazy scientist either. No. But, but I think you hit it right in the head. It's it's he is playing. A Joker like he is maybe he is brilliant, but he's he's unhinged. He's crazy. He's crazy, and it looks like that's what uh, looks like. I don't know if from, you can't tell from the trailers, but it looks like he's doing something with Zod's body, and that's probably where uh, Doomsday comes from. Yeah, or the cave troll, or what? Yeah, whatever, whatever they're calling him, Doom, 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 Doom troll. Well, he looks like the cave troll from the the. The first Fellowship Lord of the Rings. Of the Ring. Yeah, yeah. The he does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we'll start with Kathy again. What do you hope you don't see in this film? Ooh. Let's see. Uh, top of the list is just a bad interpretation of Batman. I mean, after you know the whole George Clooney thing with Batman, like it can be taken real downhill real quick. And you know, again, you know, we're we're really hoping that. Ben Affleck really pulls it together and, you know, really brings his A-game to portray this iconic character. You know, I don't know if the plot's going to work for or against that, but, you know, I'm really hoping for a Batman that I, as a fan, I can really, like, be okay with and grow to love as the movie goes on and be like, all right, well done, Ben Affleck, you know? Maybe it's not my absolute favorite, but... I can get behind this. Um, 
the other thing is, of course, the Wonder Woman thing. Um, I agree what was said, you know, why are they adding her on as like a, as a, you know, a secondary character? She doesn't need to be introduced. She has her own, you know, I mean, she is, is as popular, if not more popular than Superman uh, at this point in pop culture, because I guarantee you there is way more merchandise for Wonder Woman running around than you see people wearing for Superman. So, yeah, why are they adding her on as this third wheel in, you know, a potential, like, bromance going on between <laughs> and Batman? And I really hope, I mean, I love the Star Trek movies. They're a lot of fun, but I really hope they don't make Batman and Superman into, like, the Kirk Spark bromance that happened in that second movie. I was like, you know, at one point you're like, get a room, guys, okay? Just get a room and get it over with. So... Hopefully not that, but, you know, again, she's like the third wheel, and they're like, yeah, who is this chick? And it's like, you know, give her some real some real time to be a real character, hopefully, and not like an add-in type of thing. Because, you know, I think more people are more excited about uh, Spider-Man finally joining the Avengers, Avengers? over yeah. Wonder Woman finally joining Batman and Superman. <laughs> because well, it's like, I mean, you know we're going to see um, Cyborg. We're going to see Aquaman. We're going to see The Flash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not going to see the either it was Barbara Gordon or it was Carrie Kelly that Jenna Malone's going to play. Apparently, they've cut her completely from the film oh. in a way they cut Rogue from the X Men: Days of Future Past. Oh. So, so yeah, we don't know what what role she was going to play at this point. Probably won't find out until that R rated cut or um, you know whatever it is comes out on Blu Ray. But we're going to see these three characters in an oh hi guys credits roll. <laughs> exactly it's like just throw in the man you know and that's it it's like well why even bother it's a waste so exactly well I'm afraid that Aquaman or maybe Flash or maybe all of these uh, secondary characters may show up the way they did in Final Frontier or New Frontier sorry not Final Frontier I was like oh <laughs> wait, a minute, <laughs> wait a minute yeah or Aquaman kind of shows up and it's like hi I am Arthur uh, what, Curry or yeah. whatever his name is and, he, and that's it it just ends so Maybe yeah. that's how we're going to see Jason Momoa. He's going to, you know, somebody that he's just going to be swinging by in the sewers and pop up out of one of the manhole yeah. covers. Which no, is but. interesting <laughs> casting. I mean, I do like him as an actor. I mean, there's, there's what's not to love, but <laughs> it's an interesting choice for Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I had a very funny experience with uh, Jason Momoa, at least in, in, in the roles that he's done. Because I remember years ago when they had that Conan reboot remake whatever it was and i you know i didn't know anything about him or the role or anything i didn't even know who he was so i didn't recognize the the name or anything and when they started showing the promotional stuff for it i said that's not conan that's not the conan that i know i never thought of arnold as the conan that i know i just i have always had this vision that's like the john basima artwork from the comic books and the the the, the covered the frazetta covers from the robert e., you know the howard books and so a uh, couple years later, my wife and I are watching Game of Thrones, and there's Jason Momoa as Cal Drogo, mm-hmm. and I'm going, look at that guy. Now, that guy would be a great Conan. I wonder what else he's done, and I go on IMDb, and I'm like, holy crap, he was Conan. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> but that's you know that's just one of those funny little stories. Uh, him as Aquaman... It, it doesn't make sense, and it does make sense. I mean, whoever's going to be Aquaman is going to be 
very big, very imposing, very powerful. And so as not to be the joke that Aquaman has been to a lot of people over the last several years. And the last thing what we need is another blonde hair, blue eyed superhero. I mean, well, he's, he does have a kind of an exotic look, which I think will help. Yes. So I, yes. I, I think it's a pretty good I, I think it's pretty good casting. Yeah. And I agree with that. So, I, you know, I didn't have a problem with that. And I thought Aquaman was one of those characters that you could take that kind of liberty with. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're trying to make an African-American black, uh, uh, Batman or African-American Superman. Or not like what they Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Well, at least Miles Morales is a different character. He's not yeah. Peter Parker. But. Right, right. Yeah. Sure. This seems like this more of the, along the lines of the Aquaman, and was it when Peter David was writing him, the when he had the, the hook okay. hook for the hand, and he was a little more darker, a little more edgy. Yeah. So it seems like the, that's the, uh, the, the, the character style they're going for there. Well, Frank, why don't you tell us uh, what you don't want to see? There's two things that uh, that I know that are kind of uh, really at the top of my list, which are uh, one, uh, I want them, I don't want them to be inconsistent with their their with the character's powers. <clears throat> that happens far too often. I, I I've watched several episodes of Supergirl, but I've seen it several times there. I've seen it in the Flash a couple times, where characters um, have a power and they have the ability to do a thing but then they don't do it because they just can't do it at that time. And then the next scene, they do something very similar. And um, and they're like, oh, well, no, they're just trying to move the story forward. They're like, no, they're just coming up with an excuse for why he didn't just, why didn't he just burn the thing with his eyes, you know, or whatever. Um, uh, and that's, I would like to see them stay consistent with the, with the powers of the character and the psychology of the characters. The other thing, that I really want to avoid seeing is uh, 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 Clooney style uh, Batman suit nipples. Thank you. <laughs> We're not going to see that. But you know, Frank, you just gave me an interesting insight into what may be happening in this movie. And it's not Batman ultimately trying to destroy Superman, trying to bring him down. I think he's trying or basically based on what I see, he's going to try and push him and push him and push him kind of like the way those of you that parents will recognize your kid pushes your buttons to action where you're, you're sitting there and you're just, okay, hold on. Just let's hold on for a moment. Okay. Can you be quiet for a second while I deal with this? And they, they keep doing things almost like Alvin and the chipmunks do to Dave. You know, they just constantly bug and bug and bug and bug and bug him until he has to take action. And it's Batman hitting all of Superman's buttons, trying to see just how far Superman will go. See, is this guy really morally in a position to defend us, or is he, you know, ultimately going to take it into his own hands and destroy us? And by pushing him as far as he does, Superman not killing him when he'd almost have any reason to just do it, just vaporize him with his heat vision. I mean, to, to sit there and fight Superman, you have to sit there and go on the assumption that he can use his heat vision on you from, a, a, you know, a thousand yards without a problem. He could su- sit there and get you from the sky without you even knowing he's there. That sounds far too smart for a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'd like to see. Now, what I don't want to see, I don't want to see that last one of those last moments from The Dark Knight Returns. Clark, I want you to remember my hands at your throat. For the rest of your days. Oh. 
I don't. I, I mean, yeah. I, they've already quoted a lot of the dialogue from mm-hmm. there, but ultimately, the thing that that they shouldn't do is take them so far out of character, and that's the things that has happened in all those books, and even the Dark Knight Returns was out of character for Superman, and for Batman for different reasons. Kingdom Come took Superman way out of character and made him a waffling weakling. But that's what the writers have to do to to do their stories. They have to change someone's character because if they're the character that we know and love, we would never get to this point. That's true. I mean, I think that's... I don't know. I don't know that I agree with your statement about Frank Miller and Batman and that being out of character for Batman. Because by that time, and I apologize for but uh, uh, Batman is older, even more crotchety, even more angry. Uh, uh, was it Gran Torino? Torino? Yeah, yeah, Gran Torino. Yes. Yeah. He's he's that guy. Only he's got all the fat <laughs> available. Okay. So I'm I am not agreeing that this is stepping outside of his character because I really think by that time in his age he's going to be that guy if he's not dead you know that it's so funny that you say that because when I was writing uh, you know Tim and I had done a recent show where we covered Man of Steel issue number three and that's the first post-crisis meeting of Superman and Batman and as I'm sitting there thinking about the cover copy all of a sudden I realized it that, that you could apply age to the whole thing you know when the Superman Bat- and Batman characters first met in the 40s and 50s. When they were young, they were friends. They had a blast. They worked together. They watched each other's backs. They had the Superman-Batman team. Yeah. So <laughs> once once they reached 50, they started to resent each other. You know, and we're talking in the 80s, 88, you know, 86 is when they, they did the post-crisis. And there they were. They're in their 50s. They're not getting along as well as they do. They resent each other. They don't trust each other anymore begrudgingly work together and now they're over 75 they're ready to throw down you know i'm ready for batman and superman grumpy old men movie. <laughs> that yes. would be fun that that would be fun well i'd um, like to see them competing for an older lady there, there actually is a uh, if you go to uh, the blog bronze age babies they actually uh have had a series of two articles where they specifically talked about whether the whether the batman in the Dark Knight series that Frank Miller did, whether that was the Batman or whether it was a completely elsewhere's world's tale and this character wasn't. And um, it's a real interesting read if you get time, uh, Frank, uh, to, to, for you to kind of take, get a different take on whether or not this was the Batman that you would see in the Batman comics. Hmm. I always assumed it was an Elseworlds. I didn't know it was considered to be... It, it was continuity. always considered. To, it was always considered to be outside of canon. That's what I thought. But it it was before they'd actually started the Elseworld series. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. It didn't have, ever have the Elseworlds label on it. But it was outside of canon. Now, uh, you know, as far as as the thing is, is that when you read the Dark Knight Returns, the one thing that you come to understand is that that Batman is not sane. And no. you could say, I, I, I don't know if you want to call it paranoid schizophrenia or what, but he has got more than one voice in his head telling him what to do. There's- that's always been the thing with Batman. There's always been that. And that's the thing that Joker is always bringing up with Batman is that you're just the other side of the coin. You have the same schism 
that I do. The difference is you wear a Batman suit half the time, and you're you're someone else because he doesn't know who he is. Well, that's depending on which story you're talking about. Or if the Joker, I'm the Joker. I've decided to go ahead and embrace that side of me. So that's always been part of Batman's mythology. Is that he's not, not always. Had, I, 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 you know what? Even Adam West, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> yeah, that guy was a nutball. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was okay. and my favorite. Okay. My favorite uh, uh, Bruce Wayne was Michael Keaton because yes. he oh, played it yes. perfectly. He he was you could clearly see that his the way he portrayed Bruce Wayne is like he was not necessarily all there all the time and i loved that and i thought michael keaton's uh, bruce wayne was the was the ultimate bruce wayne he's the but, best batman ever but see that batman and and all of that all that came after that is any, anything that followed the dark knight returns and the killing joke you know they pulled from all that stuff and and the killing joke is what created that whole batman and joker the two sides of the same coin or, or you know whatever you whatever you want to do with that um, and by the way, if you guys had not heard, uh, they've made the killing joke into an animated movie with Mark Hamill and, um, Kevin Conroy, uh, Kevin Conroy doing oh. the voices. Yeah. So, uh, that's coming soon. Right. And that, that looks like it's going to be pretty cool. But at the same time, and, and, and killing joke is in Elseworlds too. It's not in Canon or it shouldn't be, even though they did do the whole Barbara got shot and turned into Oracle thing. Of course, I guess none of that matters now since DC's rebirthing again, but you know, the thing is, when you look at Batman from the 60s, that was a guy that smiled and laughed and even wore the jungle suits. I mean, look at the Brave and the Bold cartoons. You know, it was a different Batman, and he didn't have that schism. He didn't have that insanity. When you look at the Batman that, that Denny O'Neill wrote with Neil Adams, you had a very driven Dark Knight detective, and he started getting more of that seriousness. But he wasn't. he still wasn't that insane Batman that we saw in the 80s when Dark Knight Returns came out. But he was a noir detective, and every mm -hmm. noir detective that I have ever read has always had this little edge of psychology, edge of sanity psychology. Most of the time they're all right. Most of the time they're on I'm going to pretend that that I'm on the sane side of, so I'm going to say, on this side of the sanity line, but they they foray into the other side on a regular basis. Even even Sherlock Holmes uh, did this on on an occasion, usually when it was fueled by cocaine of some kind or, or opium. Yeah, I mean he was. But it, it the, the noir detective had that always on the cutting edge, on the bleeding edge of of society, and and I've never felt that Batman uh, was anything else but a caped noir detective with ninja skills and an awesome belt. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, a lot of people do forget that in the early, early adventures, Bob Kane and Bill Finger stuff, that he did actually use a gun. Yeah. And then, and then they, they soon wrote the gun out. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the, the psychosis of it all. Yeah. There's always been the idea. Come on. Anybody that's going to dress up as a bat and go out and punch guys got a little something going on in the head. We know that. But is, is it whether true madness, whereas the Joker lies, or is it just, you know, angsty, emo, I'm pissed off that my parents are dead kind of madness? 
I think you can have a serious driven Batman that might be a little edgy, but you don't have to portray him as being necessarily having uh, any kind of mental problems. I think I don't think you don't have to have him, you know, smiling and jumping around all the time and you know everything yeah, is great. I, 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 but I think while I like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I think you can have a serious character, but he doesn't necessarily have to. And I don't know if that's just writers thinking, well, how can we? How can we take him down this road or down that road? How can we? How can we make him edgy? How can we make him them, them, them searching for new ways to explore this character without having to? Or as you say, because the Joker is, is basically his ultimate foe. They are, you know, that's that parallel. They are the two same two sides of the same coin. One has, like you said, is braced his insanity. One is struggling with it constantly, or uses it to. I guess more he would be more he would be struggling with it to uh he doesn't recognize it. Right, right. Well, I mean there's there's some stories that they claim that Batman is his true persona and that Bruce Wayne is his fake persona. Oh. Yeah. I I would accept that. I mean Batman is definitely That's the, who he really that's who he really is. That, that's who he really is and Bruce Wayne is just the cover he wears so that people don't realize that he is the Batman. Hmm. That so, makes him very, you know, Clark Kent also. Well, you know, Frank yep. already brought up the fact that, you know, Michael Keaton's definitely got the best Bruce Wayne going. He, he, even over Christian Bale, I thought Christian Bale, for the kind of Batman he's supposed to be, he did smile a little too much. You know, he was a, l- a little lighter than I would have expected that Bruce Wayne to be. Well, he played, they played up his being the playboy almost to the extreme where Keaton didn't. Keaton, really, you never saw that really playboy aspect of his Bruce Wayne. Yeah, the cl- closest was George Clooney. Yeah. But but even that one they tried to yeah yeah I don't think Clooney had much of a choice in that you know yeah. I, I, I don't blame him he took the role you know but when he got in there you know wait nipples what hey uh, uh, he was, an express card what he was like Elvis you know they wanted him to be the heartthrob and to be the face and this you know sexualness about it but cool refreshing dream you know. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I mean, but let me ask you guys, um, the Batman, as far as we see him today, in the comic books today, or within the last number of years, Batman has been turned into this godlike being that nobody can beat because he, as long as he has enough preparation, he can defeat anybody. I mean, Galactus, forget it. He'll beat him. Uh, you know, that's what Batman has become. And it's kind of, it's turning into a tired trope, I think. But that's why everybody's expecting him to beat Superman. And all this, I think, came from The Dark Knight Returns, the idea that with enough planning and preparation that he could beat anyone. And enough wonderful toys. (laughs) Yeah. But that that makes me wonder, you know, looking at the superhero model that we've looked at over the years, the one thing that we've known is that superheroes are more reactive than planners. Whereas the supervillains are the ones that have all the schemes and the plans and everything. Haven't they, in fact, turned Batman into a supervillain? Sometimes. Again, he's playing with the edge. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like all, all great, all great supervillains, they believe in what they're doing. They believe what they're doing is right. They don't see themselves as a villain. And that's, as Brian pointed out, I don't like the way they write Batman now. That he is distrustful, that he has to have a plan to take down everybody else that's either in the Justice League or all these other heroes, because it's it's his way or the highway. It's you know I I know what's right, 
And in case these people turn, I'm going to have a plan to take him down. Well, who has a plan to take down Batman? Apparently he thinks, well, I'm never going to have a, you know, there's not going to be a problem with me. It's everybody else. Now, that's, again, they're writing him in as the ultimate planner so that he. I guess, I guess we find out who, found out who watches the Watchers. It's Batman. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that, that really kind of, in. I shouldn't say it gets my goat. It's one thing I don't like that, you know, about this. Based on what we know of this movie, uh, Batfleck has been Batfleck for like 15 years. And he was actually retired at this point. So he's like in his mid-40s. He had been Batman for a while. In every iteration of the DC Universe that, um, that we've had up until the way things got messed up with Crisis, Superman was always the first hero the first superhero. And that's really because Superman was the first real superpowered superhero to be created. Unless you think of the shadow as being a superhero. Yes. But he didn't, have, but, well, he was a superhero without superpowers. Batman right. is a superhero without superpowers. He's got no right. powers. He's just got, you know, but yeah, so, I mean, Superman had always been the first hero, but what we're finding now is that Batman's been there a lot longer and, you know, he'd been around for a long time doing, what he does. They didn't mention him in Man of Steel, but apparently he'd been there. Hmm. Well, I think that's just a matter of they've got an older actor. They can't have him have just starting out. They can't ex- they have to explain that he's been around, that he's coming out of retirement to take down what, you know, why he's suddenly uh, decided to take down Superman. Although from the trailers, it seems that, you know, he's what he says. If he's, he has the power to destroy the planet, if there's even one chance, one percent chance that he's will, he will do that, then we have to be prepared. We have to take him down now just so it's like preventative measures. We have to take him down now so we can't do that. So that's kind of, I just want to ask this of the, of the whole group here. What do you think it was going to ha- what is going to happen in this film to make Batman turn so that he, is it going to be just the common foe of Doomsday or what is it going to make him decide to either trust or at least slack off on Superman? You know, I think you're I think you're hitting it on the head with the, the doomsday kind of drop in the middle. And it's going to be, you know, a Luther based scheme that it, it, to to kind of take out both heroes now that they're weakened. And it's and yeah, then we're going to have the Wonder Woman reveal, too, at that point. Um, well, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I feel that that's that that's the way the trailers play it out, and it, and it feels right for that type of. Uh, you're saying it as a Marvel trope. I feel that that's kind of the direction they're going to carry this. I just had a thought, going back to the the previews and everything. One of the things that we see is Bruce Wayne looking up and seeing what we know as Zod's heat vision that's coming out, and it's slicing that building, so the building collapses. Right. Right. The reason why. Bruce Wayne Batman is angry at Superman and wants to take him to task is that that battle in Metropolis caused untold numbers of lives and TC Superman is being responsible for it. So they're going to get into this. They're going to get into their fight and then Doomsday is going to show up. And before Batman or Superman are going to be able to do anything, he's going to kill people. That's that's what's going to happen. He's going to kill people and he's going to say, I couldn't do anything about it either. We just got to deal with what we got to deal with. So let's team up and stop this guy and, and stop fighting each other. Does that make sense? I, I can, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can see that. Makes sense. You know, the whole enemy of my enemy, my friend. 
Yeah, but the thing is, though, that I don't think in the end uh, Batman is going to... At the end of the movie, I do not believe Batman will trust Superman. I believe that he will give him grudging respect. I believe that he will uh, consign to work with him every now and then because they're in different cities. You got your city, I got mine. Um, I, but I don't think in the very end that he's going to, he's going to uh, trust Superman. And I don't know that Clark is going to... Uh, uh, have a huge change in his perspective, I think they're just going to come to an agreement that, you know, we're just not going to step on each other's toes and we'll work with each other when necessary. Yeah, it'll how be many people? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, how many people of the group here believe that this movie is going to have a satisfactory ending? And how many people believe that it's going to end on a note of, oh, this big battle occurred and we got to the end and but there's more things to fight that the, the reveal at the end isn't going to be not OK. Now, now everybody has the time to to, you know, kind of go back and think. Uh, I almost see this ending as being one of these. OK, now, you know, now stuff got real. You know, now we're going to go on to whatever the next uh, big thing is that we're not going to have a, the heroes walking away from battle or anything. Like that's all, gonna, the, all the villains uh, are going to kind of come out of the restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no shawarma. No we're we're gonna we're gonna see big reveal of next villain, which we've all kind of dark predicted side. Is dark side. So yeah. dark side is gonna be revealed right at the end, but not in the Thanos way where I've got to go do this myself. It's gonna be, oh hey, now we got parademons. Okay, now there's more of us. Okay, now we're we've got more things to punch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they have to keep the marketing going. They need to get the money into the studios. They're definitely not going to let it go. I mean, I'm, I would be surprised if they don't already have scripts and everything ready for another trilogy set up here, especially yeah. with that in Wonder Woman. I mean, they could give her something in the second or third movie just to kind of extend it out a little bit further. Well, I guess yeah. that they'll, that'll all build up to if they do her show, her movie and I don't know if they're going to do an Aquaman or they do these individual movies that will lead up to in a Justice League. Or the maybe the <laughs> <laughs> you, you think they're going to actually, though, have time to kind of intersperse the character stories with that? or Because I'm almost seeing this as, okay, this, this movie is going to be a lead in to the next story. That there's not going to, that there's going to be that, uh, like that moment at the end of Back to the Future 2 where you're suddenly going, oh, well, wait, we're, we, we now have to go watch this other movie to really... Find out the end of the story. We're not to the end of the story yet. I feel that that's almost going to be what we're going to have is a, a two-part comic book movie where we get to see the first part and the what's the next one? Just it's Justice the end League? Of, it's the end of The Force Awakens. The movie ended and then they added on another 20 yeah. minutes going to look for Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but I don't think think we're going to get that. I think we're going to be ending in the middle of a battle that hasn't that has just barely started and... Now we've got to continue well, on to watch the next movie to figure out how all this uh, really messed up. So, they could end yeah. it with the events that occur in this film somehow bring the Earth's attention to Darkseid, as you said. Not he may not show up, but it's maybe that suddenly now he knows of Earth, he's interested in it, or whatever whatever his motivation is going to be, and then that will be the next big bad guy for the uh, I guess the Justice League. Motivations? They don't need motivations. No. They just need each other. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that this is not going to be a because this movie is two hours and thirty minutes. Oh jeez. I don't. I don't want to go into it feeling the whole time. Okay, hurry up and get to the end because I, I just this is just a warm up because I know what's gonna what the outcome is that the, the all these heroes are going to get together and form an alliance 
so I don't. I want this to be a standalone film with a, a good story, some some good character building, and not just a preview of okay. Well, I'm waiting it out. Okay, get to the good part. Get to the good part. Get to the end. Get to the fight because I know that's going to lead into the Justice League films. I want this to be more of a, a movie in its own right. That's true. You hate for it to be just a wash. Be like, well, this is just introduction. You know, right. something's going on. But hey, we just wasted two and a half hours. But hey, the next one. Is going to be the one you want to watch. <laughs> Just bring your bring your next twelve fifty to the to the theater because the next one's what, really going to have a story. Yeah, what you're comparing it to is the the first X Men movie, you know, because first X Men movie was just kind of like the introduction to the characters, and all of a sudden you get the second movie, which was just like a, a great great movie. But you couldn't have done that second movie without the first one. Right, yeah. you, you have to you have to feel. Uh, I, I feel it will be weaker than the first X Men movie. I felt the first X Men movie did have at least a, a, a kind of a it had a thin plot. I'll give you that, but it, it did have a plot that we kind of wanted to see. You think we'll have another frog joke? Um, I hope not. Possibly. <laughs> All I can tell you is that it's not going. I don't think it'll do as well as Deadpool. Nothing will do as well as Deadpool. <laughs> But not well, because okay. it's got an R. <laughs> let's let's uh, talk about that real quick. What uh, what do we think about opening weekends for this? Ooh. Opening weekend's going to be huge. Uh, I, I'd say Avengers numbers for opening weekend. Like Age of Ultron, or are we talking Star Wars type weekends? No, not Star Wars. No, not that big. Star Wars was in more screens than any other movie ever, and um, you know there was a, a little. I mean. When we saw Star Wars, you know, we saw it, the, what, the first day, and we uh, saw it in a matinee showing, and the, the theater was only three-quarters full. And, you know, there were a lot of screens where people were going in and sitting down alone thinking, man, this movie's flopping because it was just on so many screens. I, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I'm pretty sure that, that it'll, it'll be on a lot of screens and you won't have any trouble getting a seat, but I think they'll still be pretty filled up in the houses. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, it's not going to be on every single IMAX screen there is, like Star Wars was. Well, I think all films live now on the, the, their success rides a lot on repeat business. So this will, of course, have a huge opening. Any big movie does, but because it, it's going to draw in the true fans and just those that just want to go to the movies for the weekend and want to see Superman and Batman fight it out. So it depends on how much they drop off the next weekend. I mean, how many more people are going to go see and see this over and over and over? There are already some early geek reviews of it that are very, very positive. And well, they're predict- Captain America numbers. Yeah, well, they're predicting a 9.7 on Rotten Tomatoes the first week. Oh. A 97? Oh. Uh, was it 97%? 97%. Yeah, yeah, 97%. I, I don't That's see it as, as being that high the first week, maybe a 90. Uh, it's upon if, if they release it to critics or not. Well, yeah. There's been, you know, the thing is, and, and I hate to compare it to this, but there's been uh, a media embargo. That's not and good. That's they did that for Fantastic sign. Four. Well, which of course, yeah. <laughs> you know how that turned out. Um, but the thing is, which is like there's been there's been some reviews <laughs> that have come out that uh, there's a spoilery review out there, which I haven't looked at and I won't. But their non-spoiler reviews say this is a good movie. This is a fun movie. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm trying say, to not to, it, I'm trying not to learn as much. I've, I've even avoided watching all the trailers cause I just don't want to have things spoiled for me. 
I'm going to say, having viewed the trailers and, you know, that this is not going to do Captain America Civil War numbers. It's not going to do Deadpool numbers. and It's not going to pull Star Wars The Force Awakens numbers. It's going to pull some decent numbers, at least opening weekend. But I don't believe it's going to have the legs that any of those movies that I just mentioned do. Um, I, I don't. I, of course, I'm the guy that's coming in here saying that I'm underwhelmed by a lot of the things I see in it. Um, so but again. It could surprise me, could surprise the death out of me, but I just don't see it. Well, the, the thing you have to remember, though, is that all of the last three Batman movies have done nearly half a billion dollars in box office. All of the last three Batman movies were Nolan Batman movies, and right. they contained one of the strongest Batman storylines that uh, we've seen yet in the movies, especially uh, the uh, the middle, the, the Dark Knight uh, that, that one was just an astonishing movie from a lot of different aspects, uh, technical, screenwriting. Um, it, it, had a, it had a great plot as well as uh, great uh, metaphors. It, it worked on many levels. Um, I'm not seeing this movie being that. I, I, I think they're trying for it. But I, and, and I appreciate that Zack Snyder can do a whole bunch of things with great with great movie material like he did with 300. I, I appreciate that movie, but I also realize he did sucker punch and <laughs> <laughs> that's just that there's, there's a mixed kind of feeling coming out of what, uh, what he can produce and what he's trying for here. Well, I think he's a great visual director. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to say great. He's good with visuals. I don't think he's very good with subtle storytelling. So I, I agree with you say, Mike, I think they are just reaching for, a more complex, deeper, richer story, especially with the Superman as, as you know, an alien approach, and Batman as a as a conflicted superhero. But I, it just depends how that pays off. They they may hint at that, but if they don't go anywhere with it, it's just it just becomes a punch fest. Well, yep. the the way I'm going to look at this is kind of like the way I'm looking at Star Trek. The Star Trek movies have made a crap ton of money. And they're so popular with the the common crowd. That's where the that's where the bulk of the money is. It's not coming from us guys. No, not even. And we have our own thoughts and feelings about what Superman and Batman should be. The the movie going public out there sitting there going, Wow, these two great ones are coming together and they're gonna fight and then they're gonna band together and then this is gonna draw people in the theaters. It's gonna draw them in in huge numbers that at least the first week. And if it has a bit of weakness, if it does have any major weakness, then yes, the second week it's going to drop off ridiculously. But that first week is going to be freaking huge. But I'm thinking that because of the action in it, because of everything that they've thrown in it, and Wonder Woman and the word of mouth that we've gotten so far, no, this is going to be huge. It's going to do big numbers. Not Star Wars numbers, but it's going to do big numbers. And I think that's really the truth of it is that something we had talked about previously is that, yes, all of the fans now are not coming from where a lot of the, you know, quote unquote, you know, real fans of the comic books are coming from. Not coming from fanboy public. No, they're all coming from mainstream, from pop culture. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, all these kids and young adults they have no foundation for these storylines or where they came from they're just it's an action fighting movie from some character that i've heard of and let's go see the special effects well i think there are superman and batman fans out there Mm -hmm. that have never read a comic 
they're they're comics they're they're fans from the the, the movies then they've never or the TV shows and they've never read it. and that's fine it's not like you have to read the comics to be a fan but they're but they think that is more of a general public uh, fan more of a general fan everyday fan than people that are really into it the way we are and if that's the people they're trying to please though that that'll work I mean I I understand. You know, the people that are making this movie, they're not making it because they love Batman or Superman. They're making it because they're businessmen and they need to make money and they're going to do what they they knew. And I'm sure they've had people crunching numbers and doing focus groups and know what they want to put out there that needs to draw the most people in, you know, either on the weekends or continued business. So, you know, that that point, I can understand some of the decisions they make, but I don't think they're they're not making this for. They're not making it for 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 the fans, I don't think. No, they're not making it for us. They've stopped making movies for us. I mean, they made Deadpool for us. I'll give you that. Sure. And it, it translated to to everybody and anybody that, that that wanted to see that. Well, that's because Ryan Reynolds is such a fan. Yeah, that's he was they, he was the the driving force behind that film. If they'd only listened to the fans, maybe on all these other movies, maybe they would see those Deadpool numbers everywhere. It's not the R rating, guys. It's staying true to the characters. Exactly. No, but that. Yeah, but, but you're going to see a glut of imitations now. These all these other R-rated films are going to be coming out. Yeah, yes. and if you've listened to the, the other shows on our network, you'll find that that we got strong Superman fandom. Uh, you know, you know, from Trennis Magnus, Scott Gardner, uh, who've got their own Superman type shows. Michael Bailey. Michael Bailey, yeah, and and each one of them has a different ideal on the way Superman should be represented. Scott Gardner, you know, uh, when he talks about the great Superman stories, they're typically Bronze Age, Silver Age. You know, they're re- really good stuff. If you listen to his show, I've got a few things to say mm-hmm. about Superman. You'll see the, those things of Superman from long ago where it had all the barnacles. It had, you know, Crypto the Super Dog and the Super Horse and yeah, just, you know, all, all the various types of kryptonite and whatnot. And, you know, Batman could wear a costume over himself where he'd, you know, spit it off and his bat ears would pop out the top, you know. And then Michael Bailey is definitely grew up on the, you know, from crisis to crisis years. That's his show. Uh, one of the shows he does with Jeff Taylor from crisis to crisis, where they talk about Superman from the burn age, from the start of the Man of T- Steel miniseries in, in the late 80s, all the way to the 2006. What was that they did? Was that Infinite or Crisis? Final Crisis? Yeah. Infinite, Infinite Crisis? Yeah. Infinite Crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that the, the burn age, that's his Superman. Trennis Magnus, his Superman is, is uh, Smallville. Ten years of uh, Tom Welling. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he loves Superman in the comics, but that right there is his definitive Superman. Uh, everybody's got a definitive Superman, you know. And, I, I mean, there are people that prefer Superman with the red trunks on the outside, and there are people prefer him without, you know. And it just... you. Right now, show of hands on that. Show of hands on the red, red, Brian. <laughs> the red truck. It needs a you truck. Red, Brian. Tim, I think they should red. make red pants going all the way down from the belt no. down. No. Oh no. Trunks. Red, red trunks. Speedo. Red trunks. Red trunks. Red speedo. Red Frank, speedo. Frank, are you red trunks or are you blue? I don't even want to think about that area on Superman. <laughs> dude, dude, it's super. You guys red. I'm totally on the red side. We don't. We don't need a full. We don't need blue spandex. I'm. I'm. I'm good with the color change. <laughs> or do you prefer the uh, the uh, jeans and lousy cape t-shirt. and t-shirt, uh, blue man, uh, Superman t-shirt? No. That was kind of cute for a while. I, I. I have to admit that was kind of different. Maybe kinda, on the weekends. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when it stuffs at the cleaners. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. We we can kind of we can come on this show and say, well, that's that's not Superman. It should be this and that. And I think at the at, if you if you streamline, I mean, if you boil it down to the very core Superman, there there is a core Superman that he can't deviate much from, but. There is everybody has their own Superman or Batman or whatever your 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 superhero is, you know. So that Brian, your son Chris, this may be his Superman. If that is, that's cool. That's his, you know. It may not be yours, but it's his. So mm-hmm. you know, we we can come on and say that we have a, we have an opinion about the way things should be. But I think in the end, whatever you know, whatever you, as long as it hasn't, it's not deviated so much that it's drastically outside what the character stands for, then. When you're there's no kid, right or wrong. When you're a kid, there's an excitement that comes from the characters. When I was a little kid, Six Million Dollar Man was on TV. And I remember, you know, I'd watch an episode of the show, then I'd go outside and I would run down the street in slow motion, making that sound, you know, and all that thinking, wow, it'd be really cool to get in a plane accident, lose my limbs so they could make me body. You know, after we saw The Man of Steel, um, we were, I was you know, sitting there at the in the theater through the credits, just kind of sitting there with a real melancholy feeling and not sure how I felt about the movie. And then we finally got up and my wife had just had surgery. So we, we were, she was in a wheelchair and we had to wheel her out. And as we're going down the long hallway towards the exit, the double doors down at the end had, were starting to both swing shut. And behind my wife and us, there was a bunch of people and, <laughs> Christopher was with us and he was wearing this uh, Superman shirt, long red sleeves, but it was a blue shirt and it, it actually had a cape on it, a real cool big cape. And he sees the door shutting and Frank, you might remember that you were with us, weren't you? Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was there, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and all of a sudden Christopher goes, we're not going to make it. And he just goes <laughs> running to that door as fast as he can and he gets both of them with both arms and holds those doors open for us so they don't shut. And everybody behind us is going, oh, cool. Oh, wow. That was great. You know, and the cape is billowing. And he sits there. And so we get out outside the theater and we're doing it. And he's just standing out there with my with uh, my wife and, and Sarah and her friend and Frank. And he's got his arms akimbo on it, you know, side by, you know, on the side. He's just sitting there. He geeked out. You know, he geeked out on himself. He was pumped from that movie like we were pumped walking out of Superman, the motion picture or me as a kid watching the six million dollar man or, or or any of that stuff he was jazzed and and enjoying it fully immersed in what it was about and that that told me okay this superman is okay i think that the kids of today are going to come out of this movie next week and they're going okay you're superman i'm batman let's fight now <laughs> I think I hope not. <laughs> I think you've really gotten down to the truth of why so many people love these characters and the comic books because it is something to identify with and I I have to happen to be more of a classic Superman fan, you know, I prefer, you know, the golden age of Superman, you know, I mean just like the good guy and always wins and just that classic look so I was really taken aback by this new Superman it was the first time I looked at Superman and I realized he was an alien like Mm -hmm. gone was all that human demeanor because you know I mean of course classic you know Christopher Reeves fan portraying Superman I mean 
the humanity that he grew up with, that he learned on the farm, you know, never left him, whether the cape was on or off. But this Superman, very cold and distant, and that's just my opinion when I saw him on the screen, there wasn't that like, you know, I want to believe you and I want to be behind you and like, you're my superhero guy. And that was, that for me was very strange, but I think as long as, yes, it is capturing that idea of that bigger than life superhero and who's fighting on the side of good and protecting. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, but it was, it is, has taken some getting used to this new version of Superman. You know, in the Superman, the motion picture and Superman two and all those Christopher Reeve ones, they always had, they always put in those moments where Superman would save somebody. And as he's flying away, there's that, thank you, Superman. And he looks back and he gives the smile and the wave. Yeah. We don't have that. No. We had one moment in the last, in, in Man of Steel, where the fireman or somebody was falling and Superman saves him, puts him on the ground. And then he goes back into the fray. And you're like, okay, we need more of that, but we need it to be happier, I guess, would be the term. I think so. And I know a lot of that is campy and it is like that really, you know, now old fashioned way of, you know, having a superhero like, thanks for saving my kitten out of the tree, Superman. But I think that's kind of the core values of his character. And you know, you, re you remove too much of that. And then it kind of becomes like, you know, what is this guy about? Well, you know, the whole save the kitten in the tree. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but the kid was accused of lying and got smacked. <laughs> well, you know, some of that, maybe that too is not a bad thing to bring. <laughs> what we didn't see was Superman flew back around and took the uh, mom away for uh, child abuse. So That's right. <laughs> I told you, stop lying. Smack. And then the next day she apologized and got her, I don't know, took her out and bought her a new dress. Because <laughs> when a newspaper came out about the flying Superman, mom had to sit there and say, okay, maybe you're not lying. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, want to kind of wrap up a, any final thoughts? I have a question for everybody. Shoot. Of the three main characters, which one would you like to sit down and have a beer with? I mean, the Trinity, Superman, Batman, Batman or Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman? As they're depicted in this movie Ooh. coming up, which one do you want to sit down and have a beer with? Or is there a particular iteration of either character that you'd prefer to sit down and have a beer with? I got to go Superman. Sorry. <gasps> Tim. <laughs> I'd like to sit down with Wonder Woman because that way if I get shot down, I can at least say I was shot down by Wonder Woman. <laughs> Back off. You know she's an older woman, Frank. <laughs> I, according that they've been filming the new the the Wonder Woman movie and it starts off during World War 1. Wow. So wow. we're talking 90 100 uh, you know somewhere in that area talking about a woman that's got skills she definitely moisturizes <laughs> on the blood of her with the blood of her victims yes okay <laughs> i'm gonna have to go with batman but i'm gonna have to swing back towards michael keaton's version i know but he'd still be a buzzkill uh, oh, his parents were shot in front of him as a kid I think you'd get him out of the cave, give him a couple beers. I think he'd loosen up enough, and I think it'd get real fun. Well, he yeah. only ha he's only drinking club soda as it is. Remember his thing, one drink and I'm flying? 
See, you, you, you get you get Batman drunk, and he would just open up and spill his guts, and you'd be there for hours listening to him. Oh, that would be depressing. Crunk, I'm telling you. <laughs> or is it the whole you know saving him, you know Florence Nightingale thing? Then if he'd fall in love with me, and there we go, he can go live in the mansion. <laughs> so you know, having the beer with Batman, I wonder if you could get into a Quint Hooper style, you know, comparing of scars. Oh, there you, you go. Know? <laughs> yeah, this one here I got, you know, when the Joker hit me with the knife on the shoulder. Uh, this is where I stubbed my toe. <laughs> this is my appendix scar. Appendix right scar. Totally. <laughs> it's old fashioned, not laparoscopic. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mike. You know, you're giving me all these options, and uh, I'm sorry, but if you're going to give me the option of Linda Carter, uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Um, <laughs> You, I don't know where I could go with any of these other people, but um, I'm gonna have to go there. That was sort of like you know, that was like so, my my childhood, you know, wow, kind of experience. So secretly, so. secretly what you want is a woman in a teddy to tie you up and force you to tell the truth. I, I stand, I stand 100% <laughs> on the side of that's that dude, is. Dude, you say that like it's a bad thing. That's right, dude. That is so right. It's that smile too, man. Oof. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. It's that Amazon charm. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. Is that everybody? Am I left? The only one left? Did Tim? Uh, yeah, I said Superman because I want him to take me up like uh, Lois Lane, and I'll sing to him. <laughs> I'll ask him if he can read my mind. Feel the wind in your hair. <laughs> Just hope he doesn't drop me. <laughs> like, I'd be sitting there going, Superman, Superman, do the thing with the peanuts. <laughs> I remember this joke when I was a kid. Uh, my dad told it to me where there was a, a guy in the bar drinking and the guy next to him says, man, this building's amazing. If you go out that window, and they're, they're at the like top of a building, you know. It's a bar at the top of the building, and he goes, it's like, you jump out that window, the wind is so strong, it'll blow you right back in. And the other guy goes, what? No. He goes, yeah, watch. And he goes, and he jumps, and sure enough, comes right back up and lands right on the roof. The guy goes, wow, that's amazing. And he jumps off and keeps falling and keeps falling and keeps falling, and the bartender goes, you know, Mr. Kent, you're a mean drunk. <laughs> I think I have heard that one. <laughs> All right, so uh, where are we? What else have we got? Uh, does that make any final thoughts about uh, what they would talk about? Yeah, I think we've. I think we've kind of covered a lot. I th- I think that you know, uh, given where we are, and I said this the other day on my Facebook page, we live in a wondrous time. Uh, I was looking at a uh, superherohype.com, and they had two stories, one above the other. The top story had Daredevil, Elektra, and the Punisher. From the new Dare, from the second season of Daredevil that just premiered yesterday or day before yesterday, and then right below it, it had Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman from the from the new movie. And I'm just going, it's like, can you believe we live in a day and age where that is? That's it. That's the, those are the top stories in entertainment right now. That this is what we're what we're getting. Well, it's getting to be where some people are are a little burned out on the genre. I mean, would you ever think yeah. there was a time when like, uh, not another superhero movie? Come on. <laughs> and that's what you know the thing is on TV. I, I heard people saying that back in 2005 and to me 
usually when you get that, it's someone that, you know, it's the same kind of person that said, oh, I didn't like the Matrix, you know. There were seven people that said that, you know. And they're the same people right now going, oh, I'm so burned out on superhero movies. They're going to go and see the movie anyway. Yeah. So I think they just wanted... Kramer versus Kramer. (laughs) What? (laughs) I think the superhero genre, what... Some of that, the the reaction to that is that it's all sequels. It's all one building on another or a sequel to all the films are sequels to each other instead of coming up with something new. And sometimes when they do look at Jupiter Ascending, nobody goes and sees it. (laughs) I mean, I give them them credit for trying it. I haven't seen it. I hear it's it's. It wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. I saw a lot of critics panning it, and then I, I was stuck on an airplane, and it was playing, and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> you were I'll watch to it. watch it. <laughs> I was well. I, I thought, hey, this is a lot better than I expected. The critics, critics really panned it. I believe that they were wrong. Frank, you've got an opinion. It's a good <laughs> opinion. It's not my opinion. It's just like everyone else's. Yes. There's a, there's a fandom for everyone. True. Yes, there is. <laughs> well, before we sign off, I want to ask everybody real quick. Who is, uh, is anybody been watching Daredevil, the new season? No. I've not watched it no, yet. Not, not yet. yet no. Nobody's watched any of it. Nope. I've watched the first two episodes. It's actually pretty good. If you like the first season, I think you'll like it. It's pretty good. good. I'm good. looking forward to it. It's a little darker, a little grittier, but it's pretty good. It's going to be a long time till we get Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or Iron Fist, so I like to kind of space these out so I don't... Well, Luke Cage is uh, September 30th. That's when his show comes out. Yeah, and Jessica Jones just got green-lighted. And yeah, season Of course, two. they cast Sir Loras from Game of Thrones as Iron Fist, and I don't, I'm don't. i not happy about that. I don't I don't feel good about that. I'm, but, sure, I'm uh, sure he does. Yeah, he does, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's just... I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be Iron Fist. I mean, 10 years ago, Ray Park was was supposed to be cast as Iron Fist. And I thought back then that he would have been a good Iron Fist. But in today's day and age, I'd rather see, you know, someone with a little bit more Asian blood in them playing the role. You know, that's one of those where I wouldn't mind departing. What? Is he? He's not Asian. No, he wasn't Asian. He was a blonde haired, blue eyed guy. Yeah, but every, yeah. I mean, half of all the heroes in the comic books are blonde haired, blue eyed guys. Believe me, I grew up being blonde haired and blue eyed. And I'm tired of being responsible for everything that's wrong in the world. So <laughs> let them cast someone else and, you know, not have a, an argument or dispute about it. Well, I trust them because I thought they cast Luke Cage, whoever they cast. Uh, I can't really know the actor's name, but I thought that was a perfect casting. So I'm going to give them a little slack and see if they can uh, pull off the same. Uh, success with Danny Rand, so well, I, I, I hope they get it right. I'm 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 half Asian and I'm okay with him being a blonde haired blue eyed guy, so it doesn't bother me one bit. I I prefer to stay as true to the character as possible. That's more to me than representing, you know, my heritage. Cultural diversity, yeah. Yeah. There I mean there's I mean there's a plenty of ancient Chinese secret characters out there that I can I can, you know, relate to. Hmm. I mean, I could just I just go back and watch Big Trouble in Little China again, and I'm all I'm all set. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's uh let's bring this thing home. I want to thank everybody for showing up and giving their thoughts and opinions, right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. So, <laughs> uh, I want to thank Frank. I want to thank Michael. I want to thank Kathy especially for uh, coming out and doing her first podcast. Maybe you will should join us again for our future show. Uh, of course, Brian, Yay. my uh, 
my hardworking co-host. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I, I got to stroke his ego every once in a while. <laughs> well, since, since it is yeah. your show, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding with that. That, that, that all came from uh, uh, Dinner for Geeks. When they first heard about our show, they heard it as Tim Elliott's. And so every now and then I'll throw a little dig saying, well, it is your show. So, well, of course. I'll, I'll take the blame for the bad shows, too. <laughs> we had a bad show? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. I was worried about the ratings on the OMAC. Uh, second part, you know, but uh, no. I yeah, I didn't, did. I didn't understand them because I thought the, the first one was pretty high. I, I thought that was one of our best shows, those two parts. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the thing that's important is we tell everybody right now, like we do on every every show, is where they can find us. I mean, you can find us, of course, on iTunes and on 2TrueFreaks.com. If you go to iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. More reviews means more people get to hear about us which means we'll probably get more people listening to us. So please feel free to go and write a review for us on iTunes. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can email us at gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Visit our, Facebook, visit our Facebook page. Yes, we're also on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Uh, and if you do download us from the Two True Freaks page and you also want to go to Amazon, use the link on the Two True Freaks page. Uh, the two true freaks get a small cut of what you buy, but it doesn't cost you anything. It just helps keep the lights on for us. Uh, Frank, you want to tell them about, uh, let's, uh, replug your show or sorry, Michael. Oh, uh, no shows. Um, or we your blog. You read. <laughs> we make you read. <laughs> it's a crap box at, uh, crap box of Cthulhu at, uh, uh, dot blogspot, blogspot.com. Um, and uh, we're just there for uh, for the bad stuff. So uh, uh, join us for cheap stuff over there. It's a funny blog. It points out the ridiculousness of a lot of things. Uh, it, it's a really good blog to read. And I thought it was Crap Box of Son of Cthulhu. Uh, it is. However, um, for some reason, it just kind of cut me down to Crap Box of Cthulhu when I started looking at the links now. It's like, <laughs> well, I guess, it, I guess it doesn't like my full title. So, um but yeah. I'll, put, I'll put a link for it in our show notes when we publish this show, so that'll help Graciously out. appreciate that, sir. Oh, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Absolutely, and I want to thank you guys so much for having me in. I know I'm not a comic expert like you guys, but I love listening and I love absorbing the knowledge, and I'm enthusiastic enough to know something about something. <laughs> oh, I think you handled yourself very well, Kathy. Very well. Well, I think that, that once, this, uh, once we've all gotten a chance to see the movie, that we might want to get together and do a five-minute freak review. Maybe we'll go over to Area 51 uh, one day, and uh, that's a, a comic book shop that's offered to have us in there, and uh, do a roundtable there, or we could get on Skype here again and do an, a roundtable here. Yeah, that'll work. Sounds great. Yeah, sounds right. great. All righty. Well, everybody, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Have fun. Thank you. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> <laughs> Think it'll work? Yeah. It'd be a miracle. It'd be a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> bye. All right. Have a good day, everybody. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. 
Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Until next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. All right, I'll be mayor.